That was impressive. I love our Christmas music every year. I think the season and the weight, the power of God coming to redeem us lends itself to some powerful words, some beautiful music. So I want to say a couple of things. Number one, I, I want to say the choir has been working for a long time, really hard, with this Sunday in mind to be able to share with you the words of the gospel that they have found in song, to elevate Christ Jesus as King this way. And so I want to say thank you, choir, for working so hard. That was fantastic. Maybe we should thank them together. So let's thank the choir. Second of all, I want to say that uh, I noticed on the front pew as I was getting ready to pop up here and start my sermon, when I reached to turn my microphone on, I noticed I think it was already on, and so my apologies to the choir. I'm sure, now that's thanks to the sound guys who uh, had that muted up there. They, you have no idea how much they protect you, but today, today they blessed you, because I was singing. All right, so I also want to say this Sunday started well for me before I even walked into the sanctuary with my sisters and brothers, before I even came in to worship with you. started well because I talked to a young lady this morning that said, hey, this week I gave my life to Jesus Christ and I want to talk to you about baptism. And I thought, hey, that's awesome. And I thought, man, if, if God has done all this before he even got in the room good, what's he going to do in your life and mine as we keep going? And so open your heart to a God that loves you dearly and turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Third Sunday of Advent, I'm preaching today about joy. And I know that if you're like me, we could, we could use a little bit of joy. Deep down in our heart, right? So let's read about joy. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2. I'll be reading about the shepherds gathered out in the field. Angels are going to appear to them in the nighttime. And they're going to tell them that Christ Jesus has come. But as you finish turning the pages of your Bible, I'd like to pray over us. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for every sister and brother that has gathered in your name. It's good to be in your house. It's good to open your word. Lord, we're here because we believe in a future that we can't see with our eyes. We believe in a new heaven and a new earth. We believe in our adoption into your family. We believe, Lord, in the day when we see your city come to join us in a recreated new earth. Lord, we long for a season with no sin where we can live, Lord, free of addiction and pain free of a disease, free of tornadoes, free of destruction, free of persecution. God, we can't wait to live under the good rule of our great King Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that you would plant joy inexhaustible in our souls and that it would be sufficient, Lord, to see us all the way to the finish. Lord, the day that our faith becomes sight. Help us, Lord, to live out our years with great faith, great joy, in Jesus. Today, Lord, I lift up my sisters and my brothers around the world who celebrate your name the same as I do, who are persecuted, Lord, every Christmas and every resurrection week. I pray, God, that you would protect them and let their witness ring loud and clear, that you would grant them joy in Jesus. I ask for this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to ask you as I prepare to preach, uh, what's the hardest thing you've ever had to do so that you could wind up doing something you wanted to do? What's the hardest thing you've ever been through in order to have a good result at the end of it? Like, just stop and think about it. I, I remember when I was playing football in high school, I loved football, I loved basketball, I was a, I was a sports guy. I remember summer two-a-day practices, and I would say that's one of the hardest things. That we Back in those days, nobody cared about children, and we would just let our coaches abuse us. 
And so we would, I remember I'd wake up early and I'd go to the f- football field and we would have our morning practice and we would practice as hard as we could until the coach fell asleep. And then, I'm just kidding. And then we would, then I'd drive home and I'd mow grass because that's what I did in the summer for a little bit of money. And so I would mow yards and, my, and then I would go back to football practice that afternoon and we would go at it again. And I remember taking my shoes off and grass falling out in front of my locker and the coach getting on me. We'd go out and practice. I, but you know what? I didn't do that because I loved sweating when we ran 40-yard sprints at the end. I, I don't think anybody. Does anybody here love a sprint? I mean, Zach may, but besides Zach, does anybody else love a sprint? No. I didn't do those things because I loved practice or I loved feeling miserable in the summertime, right? I did those things for a certain joy that was set out in front of me. I did those things because I wanted to play football with my friends, and I wanted to win a few games. We did not win very many games, but I, there was a joy, a faith, a hope set before me. What about you? Maybe you went through a really hard season of your marriage because you wanted it to all come together in the end. There was a joy at the end of the road for you that was worth whatever it took to get there. I don't know if you're a runner. Are there any like joggers in the room or runners? You're a little more serious. You've got more expensive shoes if you're a runner uh, than the rest of us who are just joggers. But, you know, I I used to think that a 5K was like the pinnacle of jogging success. And then I learned that some of you guys run marathons and half marathons. And then, dadgum, Zach runs like ultra marathons for 100 miles. It's doable. Well, I remember hearing a couple years uh, years ago about these mud runs where, like, people would, I mean, they would find muddy roads with obstacles, and they would go out, and they would just, like, it's not hard enough just to run. You're going to splash through the mud on a cold day, and you're going to climb over walls, and you're going to hurt yourself to get to the end, and then you're going to take a picture with all your friends where you're covered in mud and blood and slime and grease, but you're smiling because you finished it. And I think that's a really good image for a certain aspect of the Christian journey, Right? Sometimes the road that you and I are actually walking down is a hard one. There's some seasons that are every bit a struggle. There are some moments that are not pleasurable or delightful, not in the least. There are some seasons in our Christian life when we have to call on patience and perseverance and endurance and courage and strength. And we have to talk ourselves into not giving up. There are some seasons in our Christian life that don't feel pleasurable, pleasant, or happy. But what I want us to hear about today is that even in those seasons, we can hear the echo of joy from deep inside our souls. So I want to read from Luke chapter 2 as the shepherds are in the field. And I want to talk about how on the third Sunday of Advent, Christ Jesus offers you something that no one can take away. A joy that can live in your soul in a way that nothing can extinguish it. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. 
and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. I want to show you what this angel said. Well, the first thing he told them was, don't be terrified, right? Don't be scared. He said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. The news of the birth of Jesus brought the world great joy. But let's stop and think about this. Even in its earliest days, that joy, that inextinguishable joy, was muddled with the mud, the suffering, and the pain of real life. Because shortly after the Magi arrived with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, Jesus, Joseph, and Mary had to run to Egypt. They became refugees because the king was hunting Christ to kill him. Even in the earliest moments of the life of Jesus, that joy that he came to bring us was challenged by sin, by hate, by evil, by pride, by selfishness and greed. And that sounds a little bit like the world you and I live in. What I've been trying to do this year at Advent as I think about hope, love, joy, peace, and ultimately Christ Jesus on Christmas Eve. What I've been trying to do is fast forward the tape. As we think about this manger scene when Jesus was a baby, an infant born in a, to, to us and laid in a manger, I'm trying to fast forward and think about what that joy, that hope, that peace, that love looked like all grown up. Like, what did it look like when Jesus began to bring these things that angels promised or wise men hoped for or that Mary treasured in her heart? And I want to fast forward the tape today to Hebrews chapter 12. In the book of Hebrews, a Christian leader is writing to a group of people that are tired. Their world is not going very well. They are persecuted. When they read this letter, this is the second time that they've survived a social persecution that seems to have been legitimated by their government, a powerful force that it's hard to stop and stand up against. People have gone to prison. People have lost their properties. People have been persecuted for the name of Jesus. And some in their church have stopped gathering together. They're trying to hide or they're returning to their old way of life, stepping away from Jesus because they don't want the pain that it brings. What I'm telling you is the believers that read the book of Hebrews... For the first time, they were going through a hard time. And so for anybody that sits here this Christmas and this is your first Christmas season grieving or you are scratching and fighting to save your marriage, regain your sobriety, or fight through a tough season in life, I want to tell you that these brothers and sisters would look at you and resonate and say, I feel you, I hear you. And so as this Christian leader that wrote the book of Hebrews as he was trying to encourage his people, he remembered Jesus. And I want to show you what he saw. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning the shame, 
and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Angels appeared to shepherds and said, this baby in this manger is going to bring joy to the world. But I wanted you and I to pause and understand what mud he had to run through to bring joy to the world. In the book of Hebrews, this author says he endured the cross. Why? Because of the joy that was set before him. So there's a couple of things that I want our church family to know about joy that we can learn from Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12. And the first thing that I want you to know is that joy is a little bit different than happy. Now joy and happy can be first cousins. They're an awful lot alike. Joy and happy both are good. They feel right inside. Joy and happy, they are both the ways you want to feel when you wake up in the morning. But joy and happy are also very, very different. And the easiest way for me to describe that difference is this. Joy is just bigger. Joy is like happy on steroids. Like if, if I'm happy, Will Hampton is joy, right? Joy is little. Joy is big. Happy is little. Joy is inextinguishable. It doesn't depend just on our circumstances. It's deeper. It rings more true. Happy is a good way to be, but happy is short. Happy is small. Happy is fleeting. Happy seems to be more connected to how my day is going, and joy seems to be something that you can put out in front of me and motivate me for the rest of my life that I would walk through the cross to achieve it. Joy is bigger. It's more permanent. And so for a lot of us who are going through a season that's not happy, I want to tell you, hang in there because we're aiming for joy. We're walking the Christian life, and sometimes they can take our happy, but they cannot take our joy. Listen to me. In the cemetery, when you walk away from my grave, know that I am with Christ Jesus in the resurrection, and no one can take my joy. We may grieve. We may hurt. We may lose our happy for a while. But nobody can touch our joy. Because our joy is in Jesus. That's the difference in joy and happy. So when the shepherd says joy is coming through this baby, the author of Hebrews says, and he walked through a cross to get to it. Joy for the whole world. And how will the whole world embrace the joy that Jesus brings? Because King Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he defeated the grave. But he established a new creation, a kingdom that's coming. Every couple of years, we vote for mayors and governors and congressmen, representatives and presidents. But every morning when I wake up, I vote for King Jesus as Lord. Because he governs the kingdom that I'm a part of. I'm proud to be a part of our city, proud to be a part of our state, proud to be a part of our nation. But Christ Jesus has set a joy before me of a day when I will live with no more greed or brokenness, with no more disease or tornadoes, with no more natural disasters, no more addictions, no more broken self-esteems, no more lying or hurting or desperation, no more hunger or sickness or death. That's the joy that's set before us. Jesus knew that his cross and his empty tomb would bring the world to a place where our sins would be forgiven, that we could be redeemed. And that you and I could live forever as people of the light. That our hearts could be filled as we're adopted into the family of God. Jesus knew that we would be living for a creation, listen to me, very careful, where all of evil is defeated. Where Satan is defeated. 
where demons and evil and wicked people that would want to hurt you, where they have lost and Jesus has won and you are able to be the woman or the man that God has set before you without being hindered by the chains of sin. And so, in Hebrews 12, with joy set before him, Jesus marches to the cross and endures the shame of being stripped and mocked so that you and I could one day walk in the joy that Jesus earned for us. So one thing I want you to know about joy is that it's bigger than happy. The second thing that I want you to know about joy is that it is a goal. It drives you to the end of your life. It is what pressed Jesus through the cross, the reality of the kingdom that is coming. And that's where I'm living. That's what I'm pressing forward for. The third thing I want you to know about joy is that it can be and should be a motivator for you. Listen to what he says in verse 3. Consider him who endured the opposition from sinners, that it would be the Roman government that killed him and the Jewish leaders that mocked him, and probably everybody that walked by that roadside and saw Jesus all grown up, no longer in a manger, now on the cross, and mocked him. But he says this, consider this so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. There are moments in life where you grow weary and where we lose heart. Hard times, tough seasons, moments of struggle. But that angel told those shepherds, this baby will bring joy to all the world, and he does. But the joy that he brings us, it outlasts our hard times. I think it motivates us to keep living. So if you are a believer who's beginning to lose heart, if you've grown weary and tired, then let's you and I take a hard look at the Lord who loves us. Let's look at the joy that was set before him and the way that he walked the path in front of him. And this Christmas season, let's walk headlong into a season that for some of us brings suffering, sorrow, sadness, struggle. And let's walk straight through it with the joy of Jesus, with Christ as our example, walking in his steps, determined to be people who live in the light of Christ and spread it to a world that needs to see it. Our world has not only lost its happy, some of it can't see its joy. And I'm asking us as people of Christ Jesus to recover the joy that is set before us and to walk through the hard times. And maybe this is one of those for you. Today we're going to wrap up our service a little differently. I want you to reflect on what it means that Christ Jesus is your king. And after we've heard and thought, after you've sat and prayed, I'll come back up and I'll invite you to take a moment to respond to what you've thought, to your prayers, to what God said to you but especially for those of us who are walking through a hard season this Christmas. I want you to think about Christ Jesus, your King, who came to bring joy to our world.